Hey, take your Bibles, if you would, and go to Je- uh, the Gospel of Luke and go to chapter 22. All of us in this place right here are in kind of one of three spots. You're right with God. One of the spots is you're right with God. You know you're right with God, and that's a great place to be. There's a group of people here that's... You think you're right with God, but you're not right with God. And and you're in a good place today because God wants to get your attention and speak to you because God's been interrupting you. And then there's another group of people that they're just real honest. And they're here and they say, listen, Pastor Ken, I... I'm not where I want to be spiritually. I know I'm not where I want to be spiritually. God knows I know that I'm not where I want to be spiritually. And maybe in these next few moments, God can speak to you and God can speak to me and God can speak to us together. Because I want to drop you down into a passage in Luke chapter 22 about one of my favorite people in all the Bible. His name is Simon Peter. And the problem is, Simon Peter thought he was okay, but it wasn't okay. You know, I had a car years ago, and the problem with the car is it always kept running out of gas. And it ran out of gas when it said I still had an eighth of a tank, and I should have been able to go another hundred months. And I'd run out of gas. And about the third time that did it, I took it in, and they said, well, Pastor Ken, here's your problem. The gas gauge is broke. And I'm sitting here thinking, I am here... When my car knows I am here. I wonder if that's you. Hey, hey, speaking of gas gauges and stuff, let's just, let's just take a little survey here. This is kind of an all skate. What says here stays here. How many here, when it gets to be a half a tank, I mean half a tank, you're, you're filling that puppy up. I mean, come on, half a tank. That's you. I see all you ADC people. Yeah, I see, I see. Yeah. How about a, how about a quarter of a tank? Quarter of a tank, that's your limit. I mean, you're going to get some gas in a quarter of a tank. Yeah, great. Eighth of a tank. Come on, some of you. Eighth of a tank. That's you. All right. How many, if it's on E, it's like, I'm thinking about it and I'm probably going, that's E. How many when the light comes on and it's flashing? Come on, let me see my people. There's my people right there. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Isn't that the way we do, though? We, we don't think we're running on empty, but we're running on empty. Stand with me, would you please have an honor of God's word and look at verse 31. Let's just read a few verses. Chapter 22, verse 31. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you even know me. You may be seated. May God, Holy Spirit, add his blessings to the reading and the listening and the hearing and the obeying of God's word today. Can I just tell you, everybody in this room, you would have liked Simon Peter. You got to be around him. He, he he spoke more than any other disciple in God's word. He was big. He was rugged. He was the life of the party, really. He was boisterous. He, he was impetuous. He was impulsive. 
He opened his mouth many times just to change feet. Whatever he did, he did in a big way. He was wrong louder than any other disciple. When he didn't know what to say, he said something anyway. Twice he jumped out on a boat to go to Jesus. One time he was in the water. One time he was on top of the water. And and Peter was one of those guys that you just hated to be near him. But you always missed it when you were away from him. It kind of reminds me of me sometimes. You know, the older I get, the more I realize how little I knew when I thought I knew it all. And the problem with Peter is that when he came to Jesus, he thought his gas gauge was reading here. But his gas gauge wasn't reading here. His gas gauge was reading there. And so here's what Jesus said. Peter, Peter, Satan has demanded, it means desired, that word means uh, he's obtained by permission. He wants to have you and sift you as wheat. Now, everybody knew back in those days, we don't talk like that today, but everybody knew if, if you wanted to have pure wheat, you had to knock the chaff off the, the, the grain of wheat to get to the pure wheat. And what he's saying is what that sculptor said one time. If all you had was a, a rock and you wanted to sculpt a horse, how would you do that? He said, real easy. I'd just knock off everything on that rock that didn't look like a horse. That's what Jesus is doing. God's knocking off everything in your life today that doesn't look like Jesus. It's very painful because it's an interruption. See, you, you didn't you didn't plan on it. It, it. it wasn't in your day timer. You didn't expect it. That 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 oncologist when he called when you went to see the oncologist and you, they said you need to see one and he said this is the c word and you said no 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 this cannot be happening and God's taking you from the to the never no 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 never never would this happen and all of us have gone from that never to the now. To the new. And it's a new year. And God wants to get you to a new place, a new spiritual walk in your life. And every single one of us in this room, including the guy on this pulpit right here behind this pulpit, the guy, all of us could take it to another level. Every one of us. And God's going to see to it. And I'm going to tell you how he does it. He does it with interruptions. Because interruptions are introductions. What God wants to do is he wants to introduce you to you. He wants to introduce to a side of you you've never seen before. Because what's down the well comes up in the bucket. But see, you don't know it's down in the well. And you don't even know there till it's there. And then when it comes out, you go, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I said that. I can't believe. I can't believe. And God's going, I know you can. And neither could Peter. I'll go to you, Lord, to your death. Now, these other clowns, I don't know why you even called them. Now, we've all had trouble with them, but Lord, now listen to me. And this is, this is Jesus talking to the disciples. They're in the upper room. You can't believe the intensity of this moment. Jesus has been talking about sacrifice and going to the cross. And they're arguing, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Are you kidding me? It'd be like mama dying and you arguing with your family. Who gets the china cabinet? Jesus is going to the cross. And, and when you look there in Luke 22 and you go there in verse 42, like, it says that there was a dispute among them. And it was like a hobby to them, always asking who's the great. They knew they wouldn't, wasn't going to be the least, but they wasn't going to be the greatest, but they didn't want to be the least, but they were going, no, 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 you're not the greatest, I'm the greatest, I'm going to sit by him. And it was like a hobby. They loved to argue, and that's the word we get Nike from, means lover of victory. 
And Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, and they don't have a clue what's happening. And Simon Peter thinks he's good. God says, no, you're really not. And there's some things that I want to do for you. You need to understand that those introductions and those interruptions are really just intermissions. You're not always going to be here in your life, but God has you right now. And if I told you that this divorce and your family, God's using, you'd say, I I just don't see it. I don't see this cancer being used of God. I don't see this, what's happening in our small group. I don't see what's happening in our family. I don't see what's happening in my work. I don't see what's happening in our family. I just don't see it right now. And God's going, will you trust me? I want to take you to another level you've never, ever been. And Peter had no idea he was on empty. And I wonder really if that, that that might be you today. But let me say three things about this before we walk out. Number two is this. When God begins to sift you, and he sifts me, number one, you need to understand they always come at unexpected times. You, 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 don't, you, don't, you don't plan it. Here they are, and, and they've been talking about inheriting thrones, and, and, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, they're going to talk about denying Jesus three times. I mean, success and failure are right next to each other in these verses. Misery and ministry are right next to each other, and, and, and Satan attacks you. Satan wants you, Peter. He wants to have you. He's asked permission to have you. And it always comes, watch this, during times of pressure. I mean, at the time when your company, I mean, at the time that it's the most pressure-packed home you've got, the pressure-packed business you've got, the pressure-packed times at church that you've got, and your health that you've got, at the time when you can't take another wave, and you're looking for the flag for like piling on, you're going, you've got to be kidding me right now. God's going, that's when, that's when Satan wants you. See, he knows your weakness. He scouted you. He knows you. He's watched the game films of your life. He knows what you like, what you don't like. And and he's not after, by the way, he's not after you. He's after your kids. He's after your grandkids. He wants to shut this thing down. He's got to get it now. He's got to get to you. He's trying to get you because he knows if he can get you. That's a major victory for him in the family. It always comes during times of pressure. But secondly, what's this? It always comes and he attacks us during times of pride. During times of pride. You see, here's what you need to understand. Satan will attack you when you're weak and when you're vulnerable. Satan will attack you at your weak points. And Satan will attack you at your strong points. You say, whoa, 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 whoa stop, stop right there, PK. I, I just thought you said Satan attacks at our weak points. Yeah, I said that. And then I thought you said right after that, he attacks us at our strong points. Yeah, I said that too. Which one is it? Is he attacked during our weak points or is he attacked during our strong points? Yes. Listen to me. You protect your weak points. You don't protect your strong points. Your weak points become your strong points because you protect them. But your strong points, you're good. You're good. I mean, you're on the mountaintop. You, well, quiet time. What do you mean quiet time? Why do I need God? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. 
And, and let me tell you something. If anybody in this room would ever, we ever had a discussion on, on, on Simon Peter, one of his strong points was his courage. Who would have ever thought that Simon Peter would find himself around the fire, denying Jesus three times in front of a 12-year-old little girl, being afraid? Who would have, that, that, that does not, you're not talking, PK, you're not talking about Simon Peter. You can't be. Yes, I am. Because, see, he didn't even know his own heart. You know the story. You know that after they sing this in the upper room, and they sing a hymn, and they go out to the, in the garden, and Jesus is out there, and the, the soldiers come to arrest Jesus, and Malchus comes and tries to grab Jesus, and what's Peter do? He takes out his sword, and what's he do? He cuts off his ear. You say, he shouldn't have done that. He didn't mean to. He meant to cut off his head. He's not a swordsman. He's a fisherman. I mean, he moves, and the ear goes off, and blood goes everywhere. Wouldn't you love to have been there? I would have loved to have been there. And Jesus just picks up the ear and he calls Malchus over and he just puts it right back on and heals him. Why did he do that? Well, he did that for Malchus. But he also did it for Peter. You think the rest of his life, Peter, he wanted Peter to know when people say, Malchus, you, you know you only got one ear? Yeah, you know Jesus' disciple cut that thing off. Yeah, let's, I'm going to cover him. Hey, you got anybody that covers you? I'm not saying cover up for you. I mean, he just says, I got you. When you make a mess, a bloody, I, I got you. That's Jesus. And that's what he did for Peter. But you would have never guessed that Peter would have ever, ever had that weakness in his life. Yeah, I've heard people, and I've passed it long enough to hear people say, well, I'm that preacher. I've got my faults, but I'm going to tell you something. I've never fallen into immorality. Don't say that. You don't know your own heart. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, your heart and my heart is desperately wicked. Who could know it? And that's, that's the great thing about church, isn't it? None of us have arrived all of us are doing Philippians 1, 6, being confident in this very thing that he who began a good work in us will perform it to the day of Jesus. He's still working on us. Now, what I'm getting ready to say is not going to be, that's not going to be real great news. I'll just tell you this on the front end when I tell you what I'm getting ready to tell you. But, but stay with me. I have never stolen a million dollars. I've never had the opportunity to steal a million dollars. Now, I don't think I would, but listen. What you don't want to do, Paul said, take heed lest you think you stand, you fall. I'd never do it. No, 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 no. Be careful, be careful. It comes during times of pressure. It comes during times of pride. But watch this. It comes during times of promise and possibility. Now, now watch this. You've got to go back to the text to watch this. Simon. Satan has demanded ESV. He has desired King James, New King James. He has obtained by permission to have you. And that word you, that first time it says word you, it's plural. He wants you, Peter. He wants you, Nathaniel. He wants you, John Mark. He wants all of you, Andrew. He wants you, plural. But I have prayed for you, singular. You know why? Because Satan knows if he can get Peter, he's the leader of this group. And if he can get you, Dad, and he can get you, Granddad, and he can get you, Mom, 
and we can pick these kids off one at a time. And I'm going to come at you with everything I've got to attack you. And God says, I know. And I'm going to let it happen because it's going to come at a time that's unexpected. It's going to come at a time unexpected. But, but you see, it's not only going to come at a time unexpected. It's going to come not only at an unexpected time. It's going to come to unbroken times, to unbroken people. When I pastored Idlewild, we were uh, we relocated twice within 12 years, and we were at the Beers Avenue, called the Beers Avenue campus, and I, and we had a Saturday night service, and then I preached three times Sunday morning and Sunday night, and then again on Wednesday, and 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 I, I and I don't know what I preached, but I remember that we had a, a, a sign on our on, on the exit when you drove off to go out to Beers Avenue. It said, "You are now entering the mission field." I preached Saturday night. I preached. Three times Sunday morning. I don't know what it was, but I'm sure it was just great. It was just a great sermon. And, and, and I'm sure I told them about the love of God and you're on mission with God. And we're all going to be, we ought to be disciples of God and making, making disciples ourselves. And, 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 uh, I mean, I don't know how good it was, but you've, you've met those preachers that when they get done preaching, they sign their own Bible. You ever met one? Yeah, it wasn't that good. It wasn't that good. And you don't want those guys anyway to sign their own Bible. It wasn't that good. But I preached, I preached Saturday night, three times Sunday morning, and I pulled out on the, uh, out of the church. You are now in the mission field. Went on Bears Avenue. I'm heading to Dale Mabry. I'm going home. I'm tired. I preached hard. And this lady cuts me off. And when she cut me off, it ticked me off. I'd just been telling people about the love of Jesus. I mean, in the King James, I was wroth. Wroth. And, and I, here's what I should have done. I know confession's good for the soul. It's bad for the reputation. And, and I should have just, I should have just gone, honk, honk, like, hey, I'm here. Honk, honk, I'm here. No, not preacher. No, 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 not Pastor Ken. Ah! I mean, I lay on that thing and she looks up in the mirror and I look down. And we get to the Dale Mabry at the same time and she gets out of her car. Oh, yeah, that's what I thought. Oh, this is funny. And she came back and said, I am so sorry, Pastor Ken. I am so sorry. I am so sorry. And I said, no, no, I'm sorry. You got the sorriest pastor in Tampa. Can I tell you how much she loves Van Dyke Methodist Church right now? I mean, she just loves that church. It's a great church. I'm the preacher. You couldn't convince me after I got done preaching about Jesus and the love of Jesus that I'm going to do that. But I did. Because sometimes God interrupts you to show you what's down in that well that he didn't like. I've been doing an interim for the last year in Tallahassee. And today they're calling a pastor. And I'm pretty excited. It just worked out great that I got to be with you while uh, this pastor from Arkansas is coming to be there. And and, and, and about last October or so, I'd... I was preaching, and when the Seminoles are in town, you, you can't find a hotel, so they put me up in this house. And it's a house of a, a doctor who's a widow. He's a really godly man, a great guy. So my wife and I stay there, and I'm not real familiar with the house, but it was like during college football, so we were in, we're in his man cave watching football games on Saturday night. And so Sunday morning, I said, honey, let me go up and just shut the lights off. We'll leave it like we, we found it, because he wasn't there that weekend. I said, we'll go to church. 
And so I, I follow the rail down. I'm not real familiar with this house, but it's dark. And I follow the rail down. It's hardwood floors, hardwood stairs. And I get to the end, I believe, of the stairs. I mean, it's, I'm at the end. The rail tells me I'm at the end. Except what I didn't know is it bent around and it was three more steps. And my next step was disaster. And I tore the bicep tendon off the bone. And I tore the subscapularis muscle off the bone. I tore the rotator cuff and the labrum. I was a mess. I put ice on. I preached that morning. didn't tell anybody. I called my orthopedic friend. I got in to see him. They, they said, this doesn't look good. I'm not a guy that likes to sit. They put me in a brace for three weeks. Surgery got canceled twice. Six weeks ago, I had just major surgery. And I had to wear a brace. And I just got out of it last week. So if I looked like I'm a little bit like, like what's going on? The preacher, why is he only using the left hand? Because the right one's not right yet. It's not even close. And I'm, I, I, it wasn't audible. It wasn't like God speaks to me audibly. People tell you that. You need to probably stay away from but he's louder than that. And I was complaining and moaning and doing what I normally do, whine to him about this brace. I didn't like the brace. I'm doing everything left hand. I don't like it. I don't like eating. I mean, it's just, I just, it's just not. And, and I'm, I mean, I think I deserve a little better treatment than this, to tell you the truth. And, and God didn't, didn't budge one bit. He just said this. He said, embrace the brace. And I thought, you ever had one of those moments? It's kind of where you are. Some of you are right now with God. It's like your kids. They can sass at you. They can cuss you without you saying. That's, that's the way we get with God. And yet God said, listen, I, I'm going to do something here. I was listening to Ray Vanderlaan. I loved hearing him teach. And I was listening to Ray and he was talking about some stones he brought from Israel and they're on the back wall of this study and he said the, the stone polisher takes them out of the brook and he polishes them and then he just puts them there and then the guy just stares at him and his devotion was simply this sometimes God just wants to stare at that beautiful polished stone and when I heard that I, I teared up and I said Lord this isn't about a book or a sermon illustration or anything else. This is just, listen, if you want to just stare at me, I'm your, I'm, I belong to you anyway. I, I mean, i not the smartest guy in the room, and falling's not what I wanted to do. I, I tell all my friends now, you need younger friends. That's what you need. You need younger friends. But you know what I wonder? I wonder what is it that God's asking you to embrace today? That you're trying to get rid of, you're trying to shirk off, you're trying to throw off your greatest blessings. Jacob tried to throw off his greatest blessing. He tried to throw off the the guy wrestling with him, and it was God himself. Because we don't know the difference between trash and treasure. And I wonder if that's what God's doing with you. It comes to unbroken people, and what he says here is your faith is going to be built by it. I mean, listen to me. When prayer doesn't work and when preaching doesn't work, God says, let me tell you what will work. Brokenness will. Brokenness will. And God's using something in your life, and I'm telling you, it's the strangest minister you've ever been a part of. And it doesn't even sound like God, but it's God, isn't it? 
One, one Saturday, I was working in the yard, and, and I'd worked all day long, and I hadn't shaved, and I had a ball hat on, and I had blue jeans on. It was dirty, and my tennis shoes looked like they were on the last stage of leprosy. And, and I, I wanted to go to the store, but I didn't want anybody to see me because I just, I mean, I'm pastor, and I, there's a lot of people running to people. I, I was just embarrassed anyway, and, and, but, I, but I thought, I'll go at night. And then I, what I didn't know is there's this subculture of people who go to the store at night. I mean, it was packed. And so I went in, and I won't get in, I'm going to check out, and I'm going to get out. I'm going to hit it and get it, go. And I'm at the, I'm at the checkout, and I'm looking down. I don't want to see anybody. I don't even want to find, try, and I'm not making eye contact with anybody. And all of a sudden, you ever get this feeling that somebody across the aisle is looking at you? And the, the reason you get that feeling is because they are looking at you. And this lady, I looked at her, and she, she was trying to look under the ball hat. She wanted to know, who is this? And finally, I looked at her, and she went, <gasps> Now, I'm not making this up. She said, Pastor Kent? I said, mm-hmm. And she looked at me, and here's what she said. I didn't know you wore jeans. <laughs> I, I thought, well, you know, all my suits were, you know, in the cleaners, and I had to mow my lawn, so I... But, I wanted to say, you didn't know I wear boxers either, but I, and I didn't say that. I, I, I wanted to say that, but I was already in too much trouble. I, I didn't say that. I just said, yeah, sometimes I do. And I promise you, this is what she said. Well, you, you just don't look very ministerial. I don't know. And I got to thinking about that. I, I've had that same conversation with God. God, can I just tell you something? This, this cancer doesn't, it just doesn't seem like you. It doesn't seem like it's very ministerial at all. Losing that job that doesn't sound like you at all. What's happening in my family right now, you understand what I'm saying? And God's going, I know, because I have some strange ministers. I'm going to use a rooster before this night's over with Peter. Because I know how to get your attention, and I know how to introduce you to you and interrupt you. Because I'm trying to bring the best out on you. And Satan wants to bring the worst out on you. One of my favorite Bible teachers, he's gone home to be the Lord years ago, but his name was Ron Dunn. Pastored MacArthur Boulevard Baptist Church, and Ron was a Bible teacher, and, and Ron's son committed suicide. And it changed his life forever. And Ron's teachings and Ron's writings got deeper. They got real deep because he just fought to survive. God, what are you doing? And so he became an itinerant evangelist, kind of preaching around at Bible conferences. And he was preaching at a, at a church. And, and the lady walked up to him after he got done preaching and said, You know, it's so good to see you smile. He, he said, Well, th- th- thank you. I do that a lot. She said, No, no. It's really good to see you smile. He goes, I appreciate that. Thank you. She goes, you, you don't know what I'm saying, do you? He said, lady, I have no clue what you're saying. She said, I'm not a member of this church. My neighbor brought me, and I came for one reason. My neighbor said that your son took his own life a year or so ago. Ron said, yes, he did. And she said, my daughter did too. A few months ago. And I only came for one reason. I just wanted to know, would I ever smile again?
It's so good to see you smile. You ever thought that maybe the tears running down your cheeks this week has been the water to water somebody else's garden? You ever thought maybe it's not even about you? You ever thought maybe it's for your kids? You ever thought maybe it's for your grandkids? You ever thought it has something, not even something for your church? It has something, and God has chosen to use you. Peter says, listen, I, I, I will go with you to death. He goes, no, Peter, you really won't. Because it comes at unexpected times to unbroken people. But watch this and I close. It comes with unparalleled blessings. It comes with his prayers. How would you like to be on Jesus' prayer list today? If you, if you get on anybody's prayer list, I mean, you're special because to be effective, you've got to be selective. And you can't pray for everybody. But how about Jesus saying in Hebrews 7.26, I ever live to make intercession for you. You're on my prayer list. You get his prayers. You get something else. You get his promise. He didn't say, Peter, if, if you get converted. He said, Peter, when you're converted, when you make the turn, your faith is going to be built by it. And watch this. Your family is going to be blessed by it, Peter. You get his promise. But you get something else. You ready? Here it is. You get his presence. We don't have time today, but if we had time today to look at Luke 22, the whole chapter, you'd find this. Peter's by that fire warming himself. Jesus has gone through that long, torturous night where they've slapped him and plucked his beard, hit him upside the head with a gourd, put a crown of thorns on his head, changed out the robes. I mean, he's he's gone through miserable evening. And, and one eye is probably, you could see him shut. And, he, and he's seeing, he sees Peter over there by the fire. He knows everything happening. And somebody says, hey, listen, your, your Galilean accent is betraying to you. You're one of the followers, aren't you? And he says, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know who he is. And one of them said, no, 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 no. I, I saw you in the garden. You're the guy that cut off Malchus's ear. He said, I'm telling you, I don't even know who he is. And then when the Bible says that he cursed, now stay with me because I'm not cussing here. I'm just telling you in the Greek exactly what he said. When someone said, no, 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 I'm telling you, you're one of the big fishermen. I've seen you with him. And he said, I'll be damned if I know him. And the rooster crows. And he remembers. And Jesus, the Bible says, looks at Peter. And it wasn't one of those looks like, really? I mean, seriously now? Peter, now? Uh-uh. It was one of those, with an eye closed up, the swelling, Peter. We're going to be all right. We're going to be all right. And Peter leaves. And Peter says, I, I'm going fishing. And you know what happened? John 21, when he's got all the breakfast already made for him, they're out there and they haven't caught anything. And somebody says, It's the Lord. Peter jumps out of that water to run to Jesus. Oh, you ever wondered where he got that bread? The stores aren't open that time of morning. Where do we get that bread? I don't know, but I think I might know. You remember when Satan tried to, in Luke 4 and Matthew 4, turn the stones into bread? I had a feeling he just winked at me and said, and not when you want me to either, but when God wants me to. Bread, 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 bread. Okay, we're ready for breakfast. And Peter shows up. Now watch this. I'm on close. There's some unfinished business. 
Private sins, private confession. Public sins, public confession. Personal sins, personal confession. And he has denied by the fire three times. And there's a fire there. And Jesus says, Peter, got a question for you. Do you love me more than these? Could he mean the fishing stuff? Could be. But I think he's talking about, do you love me more than all these other guys? Like you told me. And the word he used was agape. He he could have used the word storge, which is family love. He could have used the word eros, which is erotic love. He could have used the word phileo, which is brotherly love. He didn't use any of that. He said, do you agape me? And Peter said, I phileo you. And Jesus said, Peter, feed my lambs. And then he said, Peter, let me ask you a question. Do you agape me? And he said, Lord, I, I phileo you. He said, tend my sheep. And I'll tell you what cut Peter to the heart the third time. He didn't use the word agape. He used the word phileo. And he said, Peter, let me ask you something. Look at me. Do you even phileo me? And Peter broke. He said, Lord, you know all things. I mean, I thought I was here, but I really was here. I do love you. He said, feed my sheep. Listen to me. The encouraging part about this passage is there isn't anybody here who has failed so much that can't come back. And the frightening thing about this passage is if it could happen to Peter, it could happen to me and you. Would you stand with me? Come on, stand with me as we close. And I want to ask you this. So which one are you? Are you over here, but really you're supposed to be over here? Where are you today? Where are you? Do you know this Jesus? In just a few moments, we're going to sing. And as we do as kind of tradition in our churches, we'll sing. And we're going to invite you to walk forward. And that's sometimes real weird for people who have not been in church much. Because they're like, "What are they? we're not going to make you give a speech. It's not to embarrass you. It's to really say to you, listen, would you come and be a follower of Jesus and make it known? Because if you could do that here, you can do it out there. Or maybe you're already a follower, but you need a church home. God's been saying to you, stop dating the church. There's not a perfect church. If you find a perfect church, don't join it. You'll mess it up. Well, but there's too many hypocrites in the church, PK. I know there is, and one more is not going to hurt us. Come on. Listen, we're all just trying to do the same thing. We're trying to be where Christ wants us to be. Comes at unexpected times to unbroken people with unparalleled blessings. I wonder if God's sifting anybody. And maybe as we begin to sing, I surrender. You might want to just walk forward and kneel at the altar. I'm not one of those preachers, by the way, that's going to keep singing and singing and singing because I, I got to have notches on my Bible. No, no, I don't do that. Holy Spirit speaking to you. You know what you need to do. You want to give your life to Christ? Come on. You want to come because you've already given your life to Christ, but you haven't been baptized. You'd like to do that? You come on. If 
If you'd like to come and be a part of the fellowship of this church. Say, man, we've been coming for a long time. We're a member that hadn't even joined yet, but today we want to make that official. Lord, speak to our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name.